Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Are Marin and Gold, a podcast featuring me, Chandler Ellsbecker. And me, Aaron Williams. Aaron, we've um, we've got a lot of concerts we want to go to this year. Yes, sir. Um, and we're going to end up going to one in about two weeks. Yep. Crossing off uh, a big one off the list to, to see Willie Nelson, see Robert Plant, Nelson Krauss, see Trampled by Turtles, and... You know, very excited to go to that. But yep. uh, in the meantime, bands just keep announcing tours. They do. They do. Too too many tours. Too many too, tours. Too or many tours, if you want to really say something stupid, <laughs> which I do, apparently. Evidently. Um, but I guess we, we don't have to... We, 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 we were just going over before we started about just how many... Concerts there are where we got the Rat Boys, we got Tool, we got Queens of the Stone Age, we got the the the, the Beths and the National, um, which is yeah. which by the way is a very weird pairing. I don't think yeah. that needs to be overlooked. The Beths kind of go, don't they? Oh, I like think they kinda, really kind of hard. Like yeah, they they got some kind of pop punk both in terms of like they write really accessible songs, but also they sometimes engage in the sort of. Um, Offspring, Blink-182, Chugga Chugga stuff. Yeah. Or Paramore, maybe. Yeah. But um, but I, I like them despite that. <laughs> but and oh, there's, there's too many shows, and we, we haven't even gotten our tickets to see to see Mastodon and Gojira. Yep, yep. Which will be another one that will go hard. Will be a good one. Yeah. So we've got too much on our mind for the late summer. Um, but the early summer is nigh. It is nigh indeed. It is nigh hot, indeed. Um, and uh, it's also somewhat barren on topics. But this week we, we don't have we don't have to dig as much. We got a lot of content. Very nice. Um, the first thing we we get to fulfill our stated purpose of being a college football podcast. Yes, rare early June college football news. Yeah, the Big Ten has announced their schedule setup. For the next few years, um, it's kind of a mishmash thing where um, you have some teams have a like one protected rival. Some of them have two. I think a couple have three. I'm scrolling up to try to find the, the diagram I was looking at earlier. But the yeah, here here we go. So every every team has. Either two opponents um, protected or one opponent protected, and then it's at Penn State who has three. Mm-hmm. Which would be Mich- Ohio State, Michigan. Oh, wait, no, no, sorry. They don't have any. Oh. Iowa has three. Uh, Penn State has none, but oh. what every team has is a th- either... It, so there are three teams for every... Uh, three opponents for every team. Mm-hmm. You have between... Except for Iowa, one and two that you play every year. In Minnesota's case, that is Minnesota. That is Wisconsin and Iowa, obviously. Yeah. And then that third team is a team that you will play um, at least for these first two year, at least first three years. You'll play them twice mm-hmm. out of those three years. I think that'll be the setup going forward. I think it might be a situation where you get one set of teams one year, another set of teams the next year. Not totally certain on that. Um, but for Minnesota, that third team that over the next 
three years, they'll play twice as Nebraska. Yeah. Iowa, their protected teams are Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Penn State. They're... I guess they don't really have... You think of them as having rivals because they're at that caliber. Yeah. But, but they don't really have regional the, thing by the way. They don't, have a, they don't have a Wisconsin to their Minnesota. Yeah. The ideal version of a Penn State world in college football is they're in a Northeast Conference where they get to play Pitt and West Virginia every year. Yeah. Um, but they're in the Big Ten, so the closest thing they have to a rival is Michigan State, which is semi-unserious because of the whole land-grant trophy meme or whatever. Um, and then there's the whole Ohio State, Michigan, are they, aren't they rivals? I, I think we can say, like, they're kind of rivals. They're kind of rivals. They, well, again, they're rivals because they, they've been in the same division and because they're the best teams consistently. Yeah. Not because of some historic regional thing. Yeah. I, I, I formulated a chart a year or two ago um, where, like, every team has four or five tiers of rival where, like, the top tier is you really, really hate them. They're your mortal enemies. So Iowa, Wisconsin. The second tier is, like... Just, you know, really important, but, like, mm-hmm. not sort of a blood feud type thing. Michigan, like, Nebraska, for the Gator, the Gophers. Um, I would put them in the next tier. Okay. Which is, like, um, essentially, like, it's an important game, but, like, it's not, like, a real rivalry, or it is a, it's a minor rival, or it depends on, like, yeah. the day or, you know, the year or whatever. Um, then two is... Two and one are, like, kind of faded rivalries or, like, sort of technicalities. So, like, I think the example I had for Texas Tech was was New Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, or, like, some of the Southwest Conference teams where it's like, yeah, kind of. SMU games get a little heated. Houston games get a little heated. Arkansas can be, but not really rivals. And I think Penn State kind of has... I don't. I think Pitt would be their closest to like a top tier rival, mm-hmm. and then it'd be West Virginia. Then like a huge mess of everything else after that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's. That, I, I didn't need to further my my theory too much here. But anyway, so um, just some notable others. So Wisconsin will have Iowa and Minnesota protected. Their third opponent is USC, because huh. you know someone has to get stuck with them. Um, Michigan, obviously, Michigan State and Ohio State are protected. Michigan State has just Michigan protected. You can look it up. It's not... It's complicated, but it's not too complicated. But the short of it is, from Minnesota's point of view, in 2024, they will play home games against Iowa, Northwestern, Ohio State, and Rutgers. And then away games against Indiana, Michigan, Nebraska, UCLA, and Wisconsin. And then 2025, their home opponents will be Maryland, Michigan State, Nebraska, USC, and Wisconsin. And their away games will be Illinois, Iowa, Penn State, and Purdue. Which, um, you know... It's as favorable as it's going to get. Yeah, it's not too unbalanced. Obviously, Michigan and Ohio State being the same year is not ideal. At UCLA, it's going to be tough in 24. Yeah, um, but in 25, you don't have either of the the two big brands, but you have USC, you have Penn State. You get USC at home, though, at least. Yeah. Um, Caleb Williams will be gone. Yeah, yeah. I'm... Yeah, that's Hopefully. a good thing, but I'll, I mean, yeah, he'll be done. He'll he'll be done next year. Yeah, um, I'm I'm I would be 
I would almost welcome the chance of getting to watch him if you wanted to stay all four years because yeah. I have watched him once and I'm never going to forget that one. Yeah. But that's beside the point. Um, so, I, I as complicated as it kind of is to, to explain, it feels like, you know, I mean, it's going to be a single table where I imagine the top two teams go to Indianapolis. I would imagine they don't really rotate from Indianapolis unless they decide to go to California one year which I wouldn't really care for, but they once had the Big Ten basketball tournament at Madison Square Garden, so they don't really care what I think. Um, so, I don't know. What, just, what are your overall thoughts? Like, it, it's, it, it seems like a reasonable solution here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, again, just looking at the schedule, I and mean, I think it's pretty favorable. I mean, given, the, given who you're going to play, um, again, I think it's very balanced, I think. Again, Mich- at Michigan's going to be tough, but at least you get Ohio State at home. Um, the other away games, you know, I mean, you it's going to be a tough conference. And without, the, you know, the divisions working exactly the way they do now, um, you know, it's, it's just going to be hard. Yes. Pretty much no matter how this goes. But I think the way they sliced it seems... Seems reasonable. I don't know. And again, looking at the 2025, I mean, who knows what that'll all look like as far as you know our roster composition or how good we are or whatever. I mean, you know, three years away. So yeah. Um, but with that in mind, I think the 2025 schedule looks very favorable. <laughs> when you take Michigan Ohio State off there, I mean, you know, you have so a few perennial powers and you know Penn State. Um, you know, USC to an extent, depending on where they where they're at, um, but you gotta feel pretty all right about it. I feel like it's about as generous of a draw as you're probably gonna get. On the other hand, though, you could say, well, Matt Rule could have things working at Nebraska. He could. Luke Fickle could have things working at Wisconsin at he that could. point. I, I'm 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 pretty squarely on 2023 Wisconsin, like 500, whatever. Just see what happens. But after that, we're on full on, you know, fear of the badger. Why? Yeah. Um, Ryan Walters at Purdue. Could twenty twenty five could have things pretty decent, and you know, I I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical about long term Bert, especially without Walters. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he'll possibly still have Barry Lunny Jr. as his offensive coordinator. And he had a good uh, a good year. Yeah, he had a good year, and you know, Iowa. I would think LeVar Woods would probably be the head coach by then, but I don't actually know that. Uh, so it's kind of hard to, to know, and, you know, whether it's Ferentz or it's Woods, um, I would feel like they're uh, probably continuing to be Iowa. Well, and like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough conference inherently, and it's only, it's only getting tougher. So, I mean, no matter who you're going to draw... I mean, there's only so many Rucker er, <laughs> Ruckers might be better too, but you know, there's only so many Indianas that you can draw. You know. Yeah, it's it's going to be really tough, um, and we don't know what the exact situation will be. I am in, in fact working on a post that really just kind of needs an edit at this point, where I forecast the future of Gopher football. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get some some of my thoughts there in a couple weeks or so, but. Um, I, I I will ask a, a question. You know, we, we haven't... I haven't liked to acknowledge that UCLA and USC are joining um, because I don't want them to join. Yeah. Not just as a Minnesota fan. Who Man, want, manifested away. 
Yeah, I, I, I just, um, you know, I like traditional, you know, regional conferences. But I will, uh, I will ask this. So obviously, you know, UCLA, they don't play in Brentwood. They play in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to the Rose Bowl until I go to a Rose Bowl game, ideally featuring the Gophers, but mm-hmm. perhaps not. Um, you're not as big into football travel as I, but I just... You know, if if you're a Gopher fan, all you've ever wanted to see is Pasadena. Yeah, it doesn't really count if you go to see. It does not. But you know, would you go uh, just to, to to get you know just to see the place? It's I mean, a road trip. It's California. Yeah, maybe. I got I got friends out there. I've thought about it. Potentially, I feel like there's other things I could. I I mean. California and football to me like it doesn't have the allure you know what I mean? like if I'm gonna go to California I mean California doesn't have a ton of allure to me period to be honest but um I just feel like there's places I'd rather see football <laughs> like when we go to Tuscaloosa you know what I mean yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that's that's a low hanging fruit but you know there's other there's other venues I'd rather see football in you know like I don't know that I would I mean, like, if I happened to be there and there was football happening, a gopher game happening, would I be on board with it? Yeah, sure, I'd go, but it doesn't... So, I mean, that's the answer. It just doesn't carry that much weight for me, going to California to watch a Midwestern football game. Well, even setting aside the Midwestern thing, um, I've never really thought of the Coliseum as as a... I mean, it's... Obviously, it's a historic venue, and mm-hmm. you know, got the torches and the you know whatever. But um, never wanted to go there, though. No, not too strongly. And and the Rose Bowl has only really been in the context of the Rose Bowl game and yeah. New Day and everything. So I kind of agree there. And in general, you and I, I don't think are just. I'd like to go to San Diego. Be nice. Yeah, I've heard it's great, but I, I L A is not. Yeah. Has never been a place I've wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. I missed the opportunity. I had friends, my including one or two that, or well, one that now lives in LA, was in San Diego, and so I had a few friends in San Diego, and it would have been cool to visit them because that sounds great. Is <laughs> <laughs> the weather especially sounds great? Now I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, uh, I'll just also say um, for twenty twenty four, your your non conference opponents. The Thursday night game will be North Carolina to open 2024, followed by home games against Rhode Island and Nevada. Okay. Rhode Island will at least offer some very nice uniforms. Yep. Nevada uh, won't offer much of anything. So they've been anything. They weren't good this year, right? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. I, uh, uh, they've been good at times, and, you know. Kaepernick at one point. Yeah, and even the uh, yeah, because they yeah they were actually really bad this year because they fell off immediately after uh, Carson Strong, Romeo Dubs, yeah. and uh, Jay Norvell left. So they still had Toa Tawa. They're they're really good, you know. Uh, part my favorite archetype of running back the the five eight dude who's like two hundred pounds or whatever yeah. and can push you push you around. Yeah, um, but they had him doing everything. Uh, in 2025, your other non-con, your, your non-cons will be Buffalo, Bowling Green. 
Oh no. <laughs> and then at Cal. But uh, okay. we can we can sort all of that out when we get to it. But we don't have to uh, think about it anymore. Just we have a schedule set, and I didn't think I wanted to talk about it until we got here. So here we are. Here we are. Um, you have a festival to talk about in a second. Yep. Um, I do want to touch briefly on a sport we don't really talk about much, and that's soccer, mm-hmm. which is a Chandler sport. It's not an Aaron sport. Yeah, I dig it. Sort of. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll... I'll go. I'll have fun. Yeah, you, yeah. you'll go to games and you'll... Uh, you, you probably watched the World Cup final, right? Uh, I think I did. I watched a lot of the World Cup. Okay. So I don't know if I watched the final, but I watched a lot. Yeah, of you, you and I went to, to Tiffany's to watch uh, the U.S. and, and Netherlands. But yeah. anyway, so I want to talk about Minnesota United specifically um, in the context of their potential summer signing, specifically one, um, which Andy Reader has reported on the last week or so as being closer to likely or like it, it, it's I would bet on it happening. And that is a, a Finnish striker named Teemu Puki, who uh, has spent the last five years at Norwich City in England. Okay. And I am a Norwich City fan, so I can tell you all about Teemu Puki. <laughs> um, he's wonderful. He finished his career at Norwich as the fourth all-time leading scorer in the club's history and second all-time among guys who played on color televisions. He's not uh, a, like a target man, big, you know, six foot two, head in the, the ball type of forward. He mm-hmm. might have only gotten like three headed goals in his entire time at Norwich. Um, but what he is is an incredibly smart attacker um, with a, a very keen understanding of where he wants the ball, how to play off a defender's shoulder, how to stay onside. He's very, very rarely called for offside. He has great vision. He has great timing, um, and he just he has a, a, a real phenomenal way of getting onto the end of a through ball uh, behind the defense, and um, is also very very good in front of goal. Mm-hmm. Um, Eighty seven goals in five years, uh, including double digit goals. I think both years in the Premier League, but uh, definitely the second one. That's where a lot he, of goals. Which uh, you know, it's he's, he's he's done a great job. He I think was Golden Boot winner once um, in the second division in, in England, and uh, he's a, he's a hard worker and he's, he's he's a really smart player, and everyone loves him. Mm-hmm. Who's has been around him it seems, uh, and uh, as, as a fan, I love him. He's, yeah, he's a phenomenal player. I just ordered before I even saw this rumor. I ordered his. Uh, this Finland national team shirt. Nice. Uh, and it's hanging in my closet right now. And I'll be very excited to, to wear that in St. Paul to games. Yeah. If this comes through, which seems like it will. Seems like it should, right? That, that's the indication. Uh, um, Andy Dreeter, he put out a post today suggesting after some of Finland's games this month, he might come to Minnesota and sign a contract and he would be even though he's a free agent uh, after June 30th, for some reason MLS roster rules say you can't sign or you can't like play until July 5th. He shouldn't mm-hmm. officially become a part of your roster until then. So I'll be at the July 1st Loons game, and that will not be his debut, unfortunately. But maybe it'll be like a, an unveiling situation. I don't know. 
but you know, I I will make it my my duty to see him um, while he's here. He'll be playing with his uh, Finnish international teammate Robin Lud whenever Lud comes back from his long term injury, probably towards the end of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm looking forward to this if it happens because he's one of my favorite players, and he'll be. Ten minutes away from where I live. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. Yeah, um, and it's the most notable forward coming to MLS this summer. Ha! <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. So, everyone, uh, be on the lookout for that. I did put up a very um, tongue-in-cheek analytical post about Pookie at Norwich and uh, the relationship between how thick he had his beard and his hair and how likely he was to uh, perform well on a different day. Mm -hmm. So you can check that out if you want some really deep analysis of uh, that. Of serious adult topics. Yes, very serious. But anyway, that's what I've got on the sport of soccer. Meanwhile, Aaron, as he is one to do, and as he apparently is going to be a lot (laughs) this month... Is is very busy with concerts. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, always, always busy with concerts, but this month, uh, seemingly especially. And you just got back from a festival mm-hmm. in Chattanooga that mm-hmm. um, I suppose I don't actually know who was there, uh, but you will now tell us who was I there. I will tell you exactly who was there. Um, let me find the daily schedule so I can... So I, I probably wouldn't miss anybody. There wasn't that many people there. Well, what, what, first off, what was the name of this festival? So this was the Riverbend Festival in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's it's in its 40th year. So, and I, I my understanding is it's gone through a lot of different iterations. First is kind of, I heard a guy, old guy talking about it. You know, it started out as kind of a local regional music and arts festival at some point it was kind of a big country festival and then at the in the last five ten years it's sort of become this sort of mid-sized all genre i mean you could you could maybe kind of loosely very loosely call it americana but that even that's kind of pushing it um very eclectic just all genre fun for the whole family kind of festival um, not camping, so we stayed in a nice hotel about walking distance away from the venue. Aaron's probably too old for camping now. Aaron's never too old for camping. That's okay. that's that's a <laughs> for festival camping. No, oh, no, no. Okay. You, so in, in twenty years, you're going to be the old guy. I'm going to be I'm going to be the old hippie that's telling telling horror stories about about Bonnaroo 2016 or whatever. Okay. Um, if 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 that sort of thing still even exists in 20 years but so yeah so it was a cool uh cool mid-sized festival uh, i started out the trip i started out in atlanta i flew down to atlanta because my, my friend lives there um we had chosen this festival in part because we just both really liked the lineup there's enough kind of shared things that we liked and thought sounded cool that we could do that and chattanooga we had driven through before we had thought oh wow that's really pretty went on our way to nashville and it's about it's about midway between atlanta and nashville it's about an hour 45 from atlanta without traffic then again atlanta without traffic you know that yeah that's an oxymoron <laughs> yeah um so we got there it took us a little bit longer obviously with traffic on friday but uh we 
I got to Atlanta. I went to Cookout. I went to Waffle House. Went to Chick Fil A. You know, did, did did the the did the stuff. Went to the aquarium, which I think I've probably talked about when I went there previously. The Atlanta Aquarium is awesome. Um, just huge whales and sharks and. The dolphin show is insane, second to none, as far as I'm concerned. It's all three dolphin shows I've been to, or whatever. Um, but so I went to the aquarium. So at the festival, anyhow, we, we get to the festival on Friday. Uh, you know, one thing that we anticipated, but you know, you can you know intellectually, but you do feel viscerally once you get there, is that Tennessee in June is very hot. Yeah. Yeah. And there was no cloud cover. There was no rain, at least on Friday. So we get there for the first set that we want to see. I think we did kind of a walk by on Lucius. Lu- 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 how do you say Lucius? Lucius? I, I think it's just Lucius. Lucius, my, yeah. One, one of my friends is a big Lucius fan. So we kind of did a walk by on Lucius. We're, we didn't really just, it, we weren't there for that. We weren't, you know, whatever. I No judgment on it. I just, we wasn't what we were there for. I'm, I'm looking at the lineup and I see a lot of things you were there for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we get there at about four or five and, uh, the first thing we see naturally is Jerry Harrison and Adrian Ballou from the Talking Heads fronting a 10-piece Talking Heads cover band. Uh, it's a band that has been sort of touring and playing a lot of festivals for the last couple of years. I think they were originally supposed to run during COVID, uh, but they have since, uh, uh, I don't know, re- reformed and uh, they're doing that. And uh, it was a, that was okay. Um Definitely some great moments. Um, Blue is just a in, in, insane guitar wizard. I've never seen Stop Making Sense, which seems just sacrilege for me. Um, but he was just a wizard on guitar. I felt like a little bit early, maybe there was some kind of overplaying type stuff where I was like, it didn't need that that much that those that many those, those frills. You know what I mean? Um, but he definitely was definitely really really good and Jerry was pretty good too uh, he played some wicked synth solos um, so I, I see uh, so they're you know they're branding this as Remain in Light yeah I imagine it's was not, not it's not entirely Remain in Light no okay no there was some Remain in Light I think they played Cross I think they played The Great Curve they played Once in a Lifetime was great but it's mostly just they played Talking Heads hits um the one thing I would say that I wish it could have been better, some of the songs, I mean, the, the vocal style, you know, it's why it's so hard to do like a Talking Heads cover band. Because to really nail the vocal style, you really can't. Yeah, there's only one David Byrne. Yeah, thing. yeah. And so sometimes when the, when the vocals leaned a little more generic, it's like even when it's a good, a quote-unquote good singer, it still doesn't necessarily serve the song in the way that David Byrne's just weirdness did. Uh, but there was a set good sax player that had kind of an eclectic vocal delivery that I thought did a really good job on it. So, yeah, that was fun. The highlight of that set, definitely Take Me to the River, which just kind of ruled, frankly. From there, we went and saw Amos Lee, who is... Uh, do you know Amos Lee? Familiar? I feel like I've run into the song, but I or the, the, the name, but I don't think I know anything. So he's kind of an old school sort of Cities 97 acoustic sunrise uh, like AAA adult album alternative uh, just kind of acoustic singer-songwriter. 
he had a good he had a good band with him, and he has a really nice voice, kind of a soul sort of thing. And uh, you know, his set was pretty good. The bass is way too loud for whatever it's worth. So we saw Amos Lee. He was pretty good, you know, just kind of golden hour as the sun was finally starting to sort of subside. And uh, yeah, it was it was pleasant, you know. And you listen to his music, you listen, and you're like, well, this is like very. Like, when I saw the schedule initially, I was like, this is, like, a very good match of time of night and act. You know what I mean? Mm. Where his stuff is perfect for the golden hour, and they put him at the golden hour. So that was great. After that, there was a band called Coin that played that we were just not really about. I think they're a pop band, and we just didn't. Didn't just could we we kind of sat far away and could hear it and were instantly like, no, you know, like just wasn't it wasn't our thing. Um, so we walked over to the local stage that night, watched a little of this local band. We caught the end of their set. It was kind of weird. They kind of oscillated between jam band and bluegrass jam band, which is kind of a weird thing. Like usually, if you're bluegrass, like you're very committed to the bit. It's kind of how you get good at bluegrass. <laughs> um, but they had kind of a mix of both. Like they went, like what I'm saying is they went from fully acoustic to fully electric and like back and forth between the two. Okay. Which is re- just really weird to me. I mean, it's, it's your scene much more than yeah. mine. But I, I, I can, I guess, see how that would be not, you know, a common crossover point. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, there's kind of reference points, but they really went from bluegrass to rock and roll. And that was kind of interesting. But, um, so that was Friday. Then we closed out the night. We saw Maren Morris, uh, who I'd seen before at Bonner a couple years ago. I really liked her last album, and she played a lot from it. Uh, she put on a great show. She's got a great voice. She has a good band. The atmospheric numbers, the more anthemic numbers, it all worked well. Uh, she covered Dead Flowers, oh. which was, you know... Chandler is always a sucker for dead flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was as good as the Towns version, but it was pretty good. Um, so yeah, she was very, she was very, very fun, and I am really glad I got to see her. It was kind of a good example of somebody I wouldn't like if she played a concert here. I think she did it last year, maybe. Like I like her music, but I'm not going about to shell out to see Marin Morris. But I'm at a festival, you know. She's there. I'll go check her out and lo and behold I really liked it you know it's a good one of the good things that festivals are for not only discovery but also just things you think you're mildly interested that you end up really liking that you wouldn't go out of your way to see otherwise you know on a regular tour yeah yeah. Um, so that was Friday Um, Saturday we went to during the day we went to the tow truck museum in Chattanooga Okay. Uh, it's all on my Instagram, everybody, if you want to go see what, what that looks like. Um, we went to the tow, tow Truck Museum, the International Towing Museum and Hall of Fame. Um, some antique stores did some other stuff. Uh, had some kind of hard stuff happen that I'm not really going to talk about. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Saturday was kind of weird. But... Um, did go antiquing a little bit, went to this museum, uh, got to the festival. You're going to see 49 Winchester. They're kind of a great up-and-coming Americana country sort of band. Uh, we didn't end up catching them. So we got there for Amanda Shires, who is Jason Isbell's wife. Um, and funny enough, he actually sat in on guitar for the whole set, oh. which was 
good. Um, very good. He's a very, very good guitar player, um, as in her other guitar player. Her band was really good, and she's a great fiddle player. But that was another case of the unfortunate uh, just baking son. You know, we we, we, we we had to leave to just to preserve, you know, mm-hmm. preserve energy, really. Um, but we saw most of that and heard the rest of it. Uh, so that was, you know, that was uh, that was a good uh, good time. After that, uh, the one we were really looking forward to on Saturday was Big Boy from Outcast of Outcast fame from for those listening back home. And Big Boy played a set of complete Outcast hits, which you know that's really fun. So I, I imagine Aaron was was. Probably, I mean, it's, it's it's not outcast in full, so it's not, Aaron is not levitating at that point, but Aaron is probably having a great time. Yeah, yeah, and it was really fun. I mean, those, they really do have a catalog. I mean, I was talking with my friend, and we were like, you know, who like who are like the musicians here? And if you really think about it, the two most, I think, I would argue the two most important musicians at the festival, almost unequivocally, were Big Boy and Mavis Staples. And I... Expect Aaron went out of his way to see Mavis Staples. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, So, yeah, we saw Big Boy. Big Boy was super fun, and then we got pretty close for Goose. Goose was okay. I, I'm a big fan. I wasn't incredibly into this set. Um, I don't. I don't really know why. I don't know if it was just the, the day or just the the festival setting or the the lack of sort of the huge light show that you would get at a if it was after dark you know mm. um, but it was you know it was cool um, the highlight of their set for me and I think for my friend as well was they covered David Gr- speaking of CD 97 Acoustic Sunrise they covered David Gray's Please Forgive Me which is I one of the best covers they do period and is a really good fit for them has kind of these little subtle electronic elements and the great piano line. Uh, the vocal range is right in Rick, the front man, sort of vocal wheelhouse. Um, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. I had actually said to my friend before, I had said, you know, like, I've, I've had really good luck with Goose covers, but I really hope we get Please Forgive Me. And we did, which is great. It's a W. It's a W. After that, I'm trying to think of what was after that. Um... Nathaniel Rayliff was after that. We caught a bit of that, uh, but ultimately we were so kind of tired that we left a little bit early. Um, just, just uh, we couldn't really get great spots, you know? Yeah. Because it was all kind of, by the time we got over there, it was all uh, mostly taken. So we, we stayed for a bit of it. He sounded great. He doesn't look great. <laughs> I've seen big pictures of him lately, but he doesn't, doesn't look great. Um... But the band sounded great. They always do. You know, he puts on a fun show, so it was cool to catch what we did. Um, went back, hung out at a bar, I think, on downtown Chattanooga. Beautiful downtown Chattanooga. And then Saturday or Sunday was the final day on the big... Oh, I should say Sunday during the day, we went to Lookout Mountain, which not only is the subject of a drive-by trucker song, um, importantly... But also, uh, really cool mountain. I don't go on many mountains because there really aren't many in the upper Midwest. No, there there really aren't, and um, it's 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 one of the things that whenever I go out west is 
you know, when, when your life is tethered to I-35, yeah, seeing mountains, it doesn't really feel like you're on the same planet. No, no. And these mountains were, this the lookout mountain was high. I mean, we went way up and I was, uh, it was crazy because you're up there and you think it's just you guys and maybe the other people up there and all of a sudden you hear the, 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 the chipping and you realize there's climbers, there's people climbing the oh. face of the mountain. I'm, I'm looking at pictures and uh, the, the, the climbers are, are another class for me. Yeah, yeah, it's a different, uh, it's a different, it's a different thing than whatever I'm, whatever it is that I do. It, it, it's basically just, it's a, it's a straight up thing here, which, you know, if you've seen climbers, you know, like they go up the sides of, you know, that, that's how it works. But it is just like, it's really steep. It's, it's probably beyond even like a 180. It's like, like a one, it's like a 200 degree thing at, at points where you're actually going backwards yeah, as you're going up. Which is terrifying. Yes. Yeah. Um, very terrifying. Uh, but so we, uh, we did that, came back down, got ready, I guess, and then eventually walked over to uh, the festival, had some nice tacos at a local joint in Chattanooga, um, go to the festival. First act was uh, Indigo D'Souza, who I only know from, like, maybe open for the National at one point, then a show I didn't see, so I didn't really care. And that was also just in the heat. The heat really... It's a big factor for the daytime acts. You know, like, you really got to be invested in the daytime act to... Because it was really hot. Oh, I, uh, I buy it. Yeah, you just got to be real invested in the act for it to really pay off, just in, in spite of the heat, you know? And so, obviously, you know, you've done Bonnaroo, and that's late summer, early fall? No, that's, 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 that's late June. Okay, so, but, um, but that's more central in the state, and that... That's pretty hot, though. That, that is pretty hot, but I do think it probably makes a difference that you were in Chattanooga because, you know, that's when you really start getting into the Appalachians and, you know, the, the elevation is going to be a little bit higher. Yeah. And therefore, you're probably a little hotter. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact dynamics that play. I just know that Bonnaroo is also really, really hot. And actually, Manchester, where Bonnaroo is, is not far from Chattanooga. Okay. Um, but regardless, anywhere in Tennessee in the middle of summer is going to be... Yeah, I, I, I've, I've been in Memphis. It was yeah. hot. Yeah, it's going to be really hot. So, um, like at Bonnaroo, again, with the daytime acts, you really got to be. So, like, for us, like the Jerry Harrison show, that was an Adrian Ballou show. That was, it was very cool in spite of being so hot. But some of the others, we kind of had to sacrifice, We did, you know, just to stay to get shade and whatnot, you know. Yeah. Um, no, thankfully there was ample shade, and it was really nice. The festival's really well laid out. Um, very family friendly too. It wasn't a kind of a druggy wook fest, <laughs> um, you know. Not a lot of I mean, there were probably, there were some you know drunk people, but it wasn't like this crazy. You know, it wasn't just it wasn't crazy. You know what I mean? And there were a lot of, a lot of kids, a lot of families. I looked at the the artist list, and a the fact it's not too big that probably helps, but also yeah. I don't really see an artist here that would kind of engender a big sort of yeah like maybe less Claypool is going to get all the stoners, but it's a lot of stoner dads probably yeah yeah it's not it's not young people partying yeah and even like big boy 
old people. Yeah. There was this guy, there was this old guy. Like, we, we saw the VIP, and there was this, like, we, we were obviously we weren't in the VIP, but we could see the little elevated bar they had over there. And there was this old guy just jamming to Big Boy, just singing all the, you know, like old outcast head, you know, probably 45, 50 years old. It was, it brought, it was very, very fun to watch him, watch him sing and dance. Um, but yeah, no, definitely very family friendly, which was, which was cool. Um, so as you get older, you appreciate that sort of thing, you know? So where were we? We're on Sunday afternoon. So Indigo D'Souza, you know, don't really have an opinion on because it was too hot to really fully appreciate. Um, after that, we did, we, we did see Mavis. And that was, that was the best show of the weekend, in my very unbiased opinion. Um, How many times has this you've seen maybe? Oh, at least six or seven. Yeah, I thought so. At least six or seven. <laughs> um, and it was just, she was great. You know, she has a very uplifting show that, you know, she did, did you change up the set for more than what I had sort of seen before? Um, usually it's been a pretty stable set list. And while there were some, um, you know, familiar numbers that she did, there's also a lot that I hadn't heard or wasn't expecting. She did a lean a little more in the Staple Singers catalog, which is always cool. I, I always personally, my, my wish from Mavis is that she'd really do like just once a show, like a real like 1950s Staple Singers gospel number, like Uncloudy Day or something. But uh, she doesn't really do that. That's okay. Um, her show is her show is just. She's still a fantastic singer, even if she was sitting down a little bit more, as you would expect in the, her being 83 years old in the 90-degree heat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but her guitarist is awesome. Her band is great. Uh, I think Chandra Williams is the name of her, one of her backup singers, who is just phenomenal, who's been with her on and off uh, over the last decade. Uh, and, yeah, she was just... Uh, She's fantastic. It's it's the most uplifting show in music, I think. Um, just, I, I don't know. We were talking, like, there's some cliche about, like, music's got to, like, move you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a very basic idea that with music, mediocre music is all right. Like, you, you know, you might remember some of it. You might like it, whatever. But the best music, I feel like, has to move you in some way. And that can mean a lot of different things. Maybe it just makes you dance. Maybe it makes you sad. Maybe it makes you real happy. Maybe it makes you think. Maybe it makes you cry. Whatever. You know, like, it's got to do something. It's got to rearrange your brain in some way. Right? Um, And Mavis is just a super up... Like I said, I've used that word five times. But it's a super uplifting show. Um, You know, and it does that. It it rearranges your brain. You know, You, you leave it feeling better than you did coming in. And that's why I like seeing her so much because it happens every time. <laughs> um, but this was this was the best I think I had seen her in a while. Uh, I think it was a better set, partially because I was with my friend who's such a big fan of Mavis and Staple Singers. Uh, but I just I think she sounded phenomenal on this night. So we saw Mavis, then Blackberry Smoke plays. Uh, they're pretty much just sort of derivative Southern rock, you know, palatable derivative Southern rock, but. Sort of derivative Southern rock, nonetheless. Yeah, can't take too much out of them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in the right setting, I could probably be like, and this was close to the right setting, I think, where I could probably be like, well, whatever, Manifesto, I'm just going to 
you know, drink a beer and kind of nod my head, you know. Um, but their set, unfortunately, got cut off, and thus our night got cut off by a lightning delay, unfortunately. There wasn't any, it was kind of like you couldn't see any lightning or severe weather, but you knew there was some in the area. Um, so they delayed it, and at that point, we were already planning... Our plan was to stay through like half of Trombone Shorty was the last one. And we wanted to see Trombone Shorty. My friend wasn't high on Blackberry Smoke or Wes Claypool, who were the two prior, the two acts prior. So we're just like, you know, we'll just stay through half of Trombone Shorty because we had to drive back to Atlanta that night. We only stayed in the hotel for two nights um, because my friend had to work in the morning, got an early flight. So we ended up skipping. We ended up just leaving after that, after that lighting delay. Um, I've seen Trombo and Shorty a bunch. It's a good show, but it's nothing revelatory. So, um, ended up missing that because and, and they did eventually do it, but they didn't start his set until like an hour later than it was scheduled. So even if we would have stayed, you know, we wouldn't have really seen anything. And probably traffic would be even worse. Yeah, yeah, and it would just be late. You know, you don't want to be driving driving that road at midnight. Yeah, yeah, you know. So what? Well, I guess what I'm saying is it's not only you'd be leaving an hour later, you'd probably be properly on your way hour and a half, yeah, two even, hours even later. later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the festival. So we ended up missing Les Claypool, which I was a little bummed about. I was pretty bummed that we missed Trombo and Shorty, but ultimately, it's okay. You got a lot out of it. Yeah, we got a lot out of it, and the festival ticket was really reasonable. The town was great. Um, I really liked our hotel that we stayed in the Reed House for those of you looking for a nice place in downtown Chattanooga. Um, everything we went to was hospitable. We saw some cool, I felt like we got a lot out of kind of the cool regional, you know, be it the bar we went to, be it the, uh, the, the mountain, be it the weird tow, tow truck museum. Um, I felt like we got as much out of it as we, as we, as we, as we could have. So yeah, it was, a. It was an interesting trip. Um, you know, it's a festival. Definitely, you know, if the stars aligned, I would certainly consider re- returning to the festival, especially if they put out a lineup. I mean, the lineup was really, it's really good. You know, um, really. I mean, most we saw at least two or three bands. I guess the last day we really only saw the one thing, but that's maybe so she counts triple. Um, but you know, we saw two or three really good bands that we liked pretty much every day. So definitely sure. success. Yeah. Uh, you said you did cookout, Chick Fil A, Waffle House. Yep. Uh, what What did you do in the way of non chains down there? Like, did Did you get any catfish or anything? We. I'm trying to think. No, not really. Not really. We We thought about doing like a barbecue smokehouse in Chattanooga, mm-hmm. uh, but we didn't end up doing it. Just it just it, the timing and stuff didn't really work out with where we were. So I did mostly the regional chains. Uh, we did do Sonic. Um, I don't know. I mean, the food was, you know, I joke, I jokingly called it on my Instagram. I jokingly referred to it as the culinary tour of the South, of the dirty South. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly was not, we didn't have the best the South, you know, has to offer. I don't think. Well, uh, I haven't done East Tennessee, but I, I do like some Southern food and yeah, next time you're down there, you know, uh, get, get some Southern food. I and will. I will. I will. I promise. Well, uh, I think that just about wraps things up for this week, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you had any last minute thing. No, no, I got, I got nothing. Uh, 
Well, I got nothing. That's good. So... Because I got nothing. Good. <laughs> we're in, in two weeks, we're going to talk again. We're going to... Uh, right after that, go see uh, a fellow named Willie Nelson mm -hmm. and some of his friends, including Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. <laughs> including the guy from... Literally the guy from Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, 13-year-old Chandler would have been way into that, and... 26-year-old Chandler is pretty into that right now. Yeah. It's on a different level. So, um, we're going to have fun with that, but we still have another bit of talking to do before that, and we look forward to doing that. We already have some topics set up for mm -hmm. two weeks from now, and that'll be pretty good, because we don't usually. And um, until then, we hope everyone has a good time, stays inside, stays cool however possible, and, and maybe eat some... Some nice fried fish or something. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm.